that. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. What's going on, people out there? How's everyone doing? Thank you for checking out another edition of Morton's Law Podcast for this July 17th, 2021, recording here on this Saturday evening. It's been a big wrestling week, and it's going to be even a bigger wrestling weekend, so we have a lot to talk about there coming up. I'm most likely going to be doing a special show tomorrow night following Money in the Bank, May have that up live or potentially Monday morning on YouTube and other platforms. Uh, I think the Peeps and H from the uh, Saturday Afternoon's main event show will join me. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Morton's underscore law. Morton's Law Podcast on YouTube and Morton's Law Podcast on Instagram. Like I said, a lot to talk about. And let's just get into some news right now really quick. So COVID is spiking once again nationwide. Numbers are up in which we haven't seen in several months. A lot of alarming things, a lot of unknown regarding this Delta variant. A lot of stuff still out there about do we need a booster? Do we not? How long will this last in terms of the vaccine that we did take? People just don't know. Listen, scientists can only tell us so much as they learn and continue their research. And it's really getting to be annoying when you hear stories of, oh, people are still refusing to take this vaccine. Oh, the government is trying to kill us and all this other stuff. Listen, life sucks generally, okay? So it's not going to get much worse. You know how I stand on that, okay? I'm disappointed I'm still alive, so it's okay. (laughs) Everything's going to be okay. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous how people are still refusing. It's like, I just say this, listen, this is extreme, but I say, send them to Guantanamo Bay or just shoot them in the head. I'm saying, it's just, it's really ridiculous. I mean, if you are walking around with this virus and can pass it on to people, now, don't get me wrong, there are people who cannot take the vaccine based on other health issues. But if you are walking around, and then if we further learn that the vaccine doesn't hold us for X amount of time, and then let's say that person doesn't get the booster or whatever it may be going forward, well, then you're the one walking around with the full virus still potentially passing it on because you refuse to get the shot. That's it. I'm sorry. You got to go. Bye. However way possible, get rid of this person. It's ridiculous. It is. I mean, I don't want to say it's a form of... Murder, but you technically can be killing people walking around this vaccine. I mean, excuse me, without the vaccine. That's just my take. It's kind of like my rough take that people don't want to hear about the homeless, which is also send them to Guantanamo Bay or shoot them in the head, especially those that are mentally ill and refuse to take their meds. It's kind of like the same thing. Refuse to take the meds, refuse to take the vaccine, shoot them in the head. Look, we have too much freedom. We really do. People don't realize the freedom we have in this country where other countries would be like, okay, bye. <laughs> when we just, we are allowed to do too many things. It's, it's absurd what we're allowed to do. Moving along, there was an incident recently, actually this past week, 
involving a man on the subway. Now, the story is he paid his fare, but then let someone else go through and, and with the gate. Everyone who lives in New York City knows what I'm talking about. There's a gate that opens up for handicap and other people that can go through. People, women with uh, strollers and so on and so forth. And um, he let him through. The cops find out about this. They go on the subway, and then he becomes a little confrontational. They claim he threatened them. Now, keep in mind, this was recorded, and I, I watched this video on YouTube. Now, while he may have been demonstrative and verbally abusive, there's nothing on the video that shows him lunging at the cop in which they would counter with de- defending themselves. Now, they go after him, like five cops, and they tase him eventually. And it's ridiculous. It really, you got to see some of the replies on YouTube. It's a joke. How many racists are out there? It, it really is. And they're, they're in full force, by the way. This man paid his fare. Granted, he shouldn't have done what he did. But did he deserve to be tased? Did he deserve to be harassed like this? I went on YouTube and with the comments. And I just said, listen. There's probably worse crimes happening at that very moment. Yet the cops, five of them, by the way, are there in that situation. I mean, and people applaud their, their, ta- their tax dollars being spent that way. Oh, yeah, let's go get the guy who didn't do anything. Meanwhile, two people are probably being mugged, raped, assaulted, however. And But five of those cops are not there to see it because they're with this guy. It's a joke. It really is. And, and, and the time that this took, it's like, it's one guy. And, and that, you know, that's another thing. Apparently, it's, anyone can be a cop. You see some of the, the, the size of some of these cops? Like 115-pound women. No offense to women, but it's like, yeah, I mean, this guy was like a 200-pound guy. I mean, you, you need some, some muscle. You need some, I mean, some of these, even some of these male cops look frail. I mean, eat a meal. Get them a gym membership, something. And, and that's what I've always talked about. In terms of, and also how about some, some MMA classes maybe. Learn how to take someone down without using a taser or without killing somebody with a choke, which we've already seen in the past. There really needs to be a change in how police, first of all, hired, how they're hired, and then the background checks, and then how they operate and handle people. Because it's, it's terribly flawed right now. I, I Just watching that video, just like... What did this guy really do? Give him a ticket. Hand him a ticket. Here's a ticket for you letting someone go through. That's it. Of course he's going to become demonstrative. Hey, I mean, look, look at what's going on with police brutality. I don't blame him one bit. But yet, the racists come out in full force. Oh, he should be locked up. Oh, this or that. Throw away the key. It's incredible what people are saying these days. They don't even hide their racism anymore. I mean, even TikTok videos. I go on TikTok to watch certain videos, a lot of cat videos that I love. I don't know if you know I'm a cat person. Love to watch funny cat videos. And then you get women basically showing us their body in so many different ways. And uh, I'm not going to get into that. but (laughs) But this one girl unbelievably gets political in her video. She does this where she has this like sad, uh, unattractive face. And she's like basically showing her that she's not interested if you voted for Biden. Then the next part of the video is her being warm, cuddly if you voted for Trump. 
I was like, what the f- Really? We need to get to this point now? Where even TikTok videos are political? I kid you not. I replied with the following. I said, all that makeup is leaking into your brain. You had to see the makeup on this girl. I mean, like 20 pounds of makeup. It's just disgusting. Some of these women think they look really good. Take the makeup off. Let's see what you look like without it. More crime in the city and part of the state, Long Island. This is where this is happening. This Ulta beauty store that sells makeup, perfume, you name it, all this other stuff for women, has been robbed about 25 times in Suffolk County. It's incredible. 25 times. Look, I used to work in retail. I worked what's called loss prevention at Best Buy and Home Depot, where we would watch people on a camera in the back, and then we'd have four or five people out on the floor. And we'd watch these people, and as they tried to exit, we would just take their bag because we knew that they had something in the bag that was our product. And that's it. If they fought back, we call police. And sometimes people would get arrested. If they didn't fight us, we'd just take the bag. We know you tried to steal something. Give us the bag. Nothing happens. That's it. So my question is to this this company, Ulta, where's your loss prevention department? You can have one guy on the camera, two people on the floor, take the bag. That's it. They want to fight, they go to jail. That's a felony. They've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars 25 times. I mean, you, you do not want to pay a loss prevention department? What is going on? And people say, oh, well, they can't stop them because it would be considered racist. No, it's not about color. There's no color involved in, in, in theft. I see you coming out the door, or I see you on camera stealing stuff, which I've done at Best Buy. I've prevented hundreds of dollars from walking out the store with video games back in the early 2000s. Hundreds of dollars. I'd be on the camera. You watch people go to the location with the video. Especially, if they, look, if kids come in groups, yeah, there's a red flag, okay? A lot of kids come in groups, and you got to watch. And so I would watch the camera. Sure enough, I see these kids throwing these video games into their bag. I notify the manager. All the kids run, come to the door with, like, book bags and stuff. We stop them. We take the bag. If they fight us, they go in. And I believe that one incident, three or four kids got arrested because they didn't want to give the bags up. That's what this store has to do. It's pretty simple. There's, there's no racism in, 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 in felonies. There's no racism in, in theft. I'm sorry. That's it. it why, that's why a camera's there. So therefore, you can't say, oh, you were watching me or you were following me. No, you don't know how I saw you. You don't know there's a camera. That's how I caught you. Unbelievable. So I had a meeting with my new psychiatrist this past week. Yeah, that went well. Um, <laughs> we had a Zoom. And he, he starts telling me about the side effects of this new medication. He's like, yo. I was like, well, what is it? He's like, your body could shut down. This can happen. That can happen. You could eventually die. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, I was like so you're telling me it's good news. <laughs> All right. So listen, coming up, we have a lot of wrestling. A lot of wrestling. And I made comment on the NBA Finals. Moran's Law Podcast coming back after this. You think you know me. Welcome back to Moran's Law Podcast. Thank you again for joining me. 
Don't forget, people, if you have that ability, please spread the word and donate if you can. Greatly appreciate it. A lot to get into. Money in the Bank pay-per-view is tomorrow night. Actually, uh, Impact Wrestling Slammiversary taking place at this very moment, which I will watch tomorrow because there's a lot going on. NBA Finals about to tip off in a second here as I record on this uh, Saturday evening. So I just learned as I check the news to see what's going on that WWE has just brought back Harry Smith, also known as Davy Boy Smith Jr., and it's a, it's a new deal. I, I want to say he's main roster. I would be shocked if he's going to NXT. For those who are unfamiliar, of course, the son of the late, great Davey Boy Smith. He had been in WWE many years back. He's 35 now. He, I believe he's got his first contract at the age of 18. And that was, what, 2005, probably? 2004? And, uh, yeah, he... he Went to New Japan. He's uh, he won tag team championships there. He's been in most recently Major League Wrestling, and I mean I hate to say disappointment, but when you look at the hype and the legacy of his father and everything in terms of upside, you would say his career at this moment is a bit of a disappointment because people had high hopes for him. I remember hearing the stories back in the mid two thousands how much Vince liked him and had plans for him and. Things never materialized, and he ended up leaving. And it makes me think of another wrestler from Canada, and I've talked about that on the show here, uh, Teddy Hart, another guy with tremendous upside from the same family. And Teddy Hart, for many other reasons, didn't have the success people thought he'd have. And it's a shame on both fronts, but let's see if Davey, well, I should say Harry Smith, can redeem himself now in WWE and perhaps have himself a nice career until he retires he's only 35 it's still relatively young when you look at some of the guys wrestling today so good luck to him all right let's talk about smackdown friday night smackdown go home show for money in the bank and the fans are back the fans are back and let me say this even if you hate wwe with a passion And trust me, they give us thousands of reasons to do so. The opening segment on SmackDown is exactly why we are wrestling fans. It was incredible. Like I said, crowd back, hot, over 14,000 at the Toyota Center in Houston. Incredible. I mean, you can't be more pumped than this crowd was last night. And then, you hear... No chance. And it's Vince. And you're like, wow. And the pop Vince got. And he comes out. And let's talk about this for a second. During the pandemic, Vince came out on a SmackDown. It was a tribute to Triple H. Vince looked sick. He looked old. His voice wasn't there. People started talking. Now, I don't know what maybe they've injected him with (laughs) on this SmackDown episode, but he comes out, he's doing the strut, he looks healthy, he looks more muscular, and the voice was there. I mean, he didn't say a lot, he basically welcomed everyone back, and then it was short and sweet. I mean, the strut was great, just to see that strut we haven't seen in years. Uh, Yeah, he got a good pop. It's good to see him healthy. And then... Roman's music plays the head of the table and that was a pop too it was there was a mixed response though you kind of heard booing but you heard some cheering 
And regardless though, it was loud and passionate, very passionate. Then Mysterio's Dominic Ray, they come out to a nice ovation. Then it happened. It happened. The chant starts. Edge, 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 edge. And we hear, you think you know me. When you heard those words, you think you know me. It was like we all went into a time machine. Did you hear the pop? It was like we were back in the Attitude Era. I have not heard a pop like that since the late 90s. That was incredible. Absolutely. It was like, it was a holy shit. Roof just popped off the building. I got goosebumps when I heard that reaction for Edge. It was like, whoa. And listen to this. You know the old man who had just come out a couple minutes earlier. He heard that pop. He heard it. Which makes you think the following. Could they switch the title Sunday night at Money in the Bank? Now, we already know what the fans want. You heard the reaction when he came out. Of course they would want it. And why not? Why not switch it? It doesn't have to be a clean finish. Roman can even win a rematch. I mean, I don't know what the plans are for the future here. But so many things can transpire between now and SummerSlam. Just to give Edge that moment one more time in his career. Because we don't know how much longer he has in terms of in-ring. I mean, God forbid he gets hurt again. He is approaching 50 if he's not already. And it's just great to give him that. And remember, Cena is the variable here. We don't know about his return, when it's going to happen. Speculation, SummerSlam, but who knows? We don't really know. I mean, they could do this. Here's what they could do. If Roman were to win, and he could win, they could do this where Roman goes after the neck. The, The neck that, of course, forced Edge to retire. He continues to work on the neck. Either Edge has to tap or the refs just stops it. And now Edge is in agony and Roman continues to work on the neck. And then you hear the Cena music and he comes out and makes the save for SummerSlam. If they wanted to go that route, I don't think that's going to happen tomorrow night. But it's just a thought. And of course, that would set up SummerSlam, Cena, and Roman. But I just think, in my opinion, I would rather, if I were booking this company, I would put the title on Edge tomorrow night. I would. I think the crowd would go all, I mean, talk about a roof pop. If Edge won that title, could you imagine the explosion? Holy cow. But again, I'm just providing potential scenarios. We'll see what they do. But to reiterate, that opening segment was fire. It was so good. I mean, amazing. So they come back from the break, and they have the six-man tag. And listen, I always talk about the go-home show. And you got to feature the top guys in your go-home show. And holy shit, they did just that. And I always say, this is how you sell your pay-per-view. Or, of course, if you need to get more buys from for the cock. And... The crowd was into the match. The finish made sense. You had the Uso roll up Ray and he grabbed the tights for the pin. Now, if you guys have been following the business forever and know what goes on, usually when that happens, when the challenger pins the champ, that means that the champions are going to keep the titles. So that's a possibility, but that's just the way it was in the old days. Things change. Now, What's odd about this, again, this is 2021, things don't make sense. This tag team titles match is going to be on the pre-show. 
And I was just like, what? You can put the Usos and Rey Mysterio on the on the pre-show. Like, All right, fine. You have to just eat some of the stuff that they do. But the match itself was good. But you know what stood out the most to me other than the, the reaction for Edge? Look at Roman Reigns on, on, on the apron sometimes. Roman Reigns, they zoom in on him. Amazing facials. He just has that look about him. Like that swagger, that confidence, that just... I mean, it's it has so many different facials. You can explain all of them. I mean, it's just so good the way he does that when they when they put the camera on him. So then the post-match, we get Edge clearing the ring. with a, I believe he hit a couple spears. And then Roman blindsides him with a Superman punch. And now there's a chair in the ring. And Roman does his perfect heel work here. Takes his time, walks around the ring, gets the chair, breaks a piece of it off. Just like Rewind a couple weeks, or was it last week, where Edge did the same thing to one of his uh, cousins. And as he's about to use that piece of the chair, Edge hits him with the spear. And then Edge takes the piece, puts it in his mouth, and cranks back just like he did with his cousins. And uh, yeah, that was that was so well done. It was perfect. It really was. I mean, the goal, of course, is to build your challenger to make him look like he can win the title because it makes the people care. Now they are invested in Edge emotionally. And look, that's how you sell your pay-per-view. And WWE, <laughs> bravo. Well done. The only nitpick, because I'm, I'm not going to talk about the entire show. I just have a few things, is... I would have probably ended the show with this, but I, I, I eh, you can nitpick and say they shouldn't. They, they could have done something differently, but I get why they ended the show. Rollins won the four-way, and he's going to be in the money in the bank. We'll see what they do there. But speaking of Rollins, the next segment is Edge interviewed backstage, and he's interrupted by Rollins. He's laughing hysterically. He says, you can't beat Roman. He has your number. Now, this this promo by Rollins or interview, however you want to call it, exchange, this may have been his best work in years. I, I couldn't remember. Like, I was I was talking about Rollins and the stuff they've done with him over the years, and uh, they've made him uninteresting. People find him boring. He's whiny. He's annoying. But he was good here. This was good work. He gets in his face, and he says, I'm going to be your biggest fan. I'm going to have my sound to chant, let's go, Edge. Let's go, Edge. He says, I'm rooting for you to win. He says, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to climb the ladder at Money in the Bank. I'm going to win. And I'm going to finish the job that I started seven years ago when I have my boot on your neck. And this time, I'm going to pull the trigger. And he says, I would love to cash in on the man that made the match famous. So well done. Paraphrasing some of that, not verbatim, but I mean, just so well done. And then WWE kind of goes back to what they do in terms of not making sense. So last week, Shotzi and Knox debuted from coming up from SmackDown to take on Natalia and Tamina in a non-title match, which they won. And then tonight, excuse me, Friday night, they do another match, but this time, also non-title. And I went, what? Doesn't a non-title match usually mean you get the title shot now? So none of that, I can't, that boggles my mind. I don't know, maybe you can explain it to me. But are they going to now beat him three times in a row to win the titles? Is that, I mean, obviously they're going to get a title match next. But 
Okay, made no sense. Whatever. Alright, moving along, let's get into NXT. So I talked about Knox going up to the main roster after returning to NXT. Remember, she came back and cost the tag team champions the titles are just being on the stage. And it made me think, like, Ember Moon is just stuck without a partner. And of course, because Knox went up, and it made me think, like, well, who made that call? Did Ember Moon not want to go up, or did they not want her up? I know there's a history there, so it just made me think, like, what happened? So she gets this match against Dakota Kai, which we've seen a thousand times, but they have good chemistry. They work well together. I enjoyed it. It was a decent match. And finally, Kai won a match. I've been screaming about it here. Like, Kai turned into a glorified jobber. I don't know when the last time she won, but they finally put her over, and it's a good thing they did. Because they were just killing all the heat she had as a heel, never letting her win. Long overdue. Post-match. We get Zia Lee comes out. Face-to-face with Raquel Gonzalez. And she challenges her to the title. And I went, what? Apparently, WWE condones DUIs and almost killing your opponent. You get rewarded, apparently, for doing such things. How is she potentially getting a title shot? Please explain this to me. I mean, this legit makes me hot. It really does. It bothers me. It really bothers me. Because she's awful. She's sloppy. She's reckless. I mean, is there any? Is there much difference between her and Nia Jax aside from history? How many more people does Zaylee have to knock out before we go, okay, maybe she should find other work? Just, yeah, I don't get any of this. No disrespect to Mr. Rust and Mr. Fish, but nobody cares. Sorry. You guys worked a good match, but no one cares. Obvious distraction came with the Diamond Mine and Rust won. Kushida came out, make the save, post-match attack. So I imagine we're going to get a tag match here. I yawn at that. Uh, look, I mean, a, don't get me wrong. There are good parts of NXT and things that... And there's good wrestling always, but there's a lot of stuff that makes people go, I don't care. And you can say that's disrespectful to the history of wrestling and the business in general, but fans have short attention spans, especially today's people. Today's people are far worse than they were 20, 30 years ago. So you have to grab people, bring them in, and and hold them. And the diamond mine isn't isn't selling terror. Although I say this, I think we're going to eventually get a title match between Roderick Strong and Kushida. That can be a good match on its own, for sure. People still love Roddy, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Saray wrestled some unknown girl. I mean, if you cared, I say, as always, get a hobby. <laughs> it's just like... And then Mandy Rose mysteriously appears. I don't know what more is about that. Sorry, I was just like, what? Okay. And of course, Saray wins, no surprise. My guy, Santos Escobar, against Dexter Loomis. Of course, Del Taco de Fantasma assists in the victory. No surprise, a new Loomis would lose here. We get the post-match face-off against Hit Row. So now we're going to see that match in the future. We're going to get Escobar against Swerve. But again, what do I talk about here on the show? Who's the babyface? Right now, there is none. You got to kind of, I think Escobar could turn here. Maybe you get some, something from the crowd where Escobar can become the babyface in a way. It's possible. 
I think you need to distinguish here. And yeah, that title match is going to be fun to watch. These, uh, I mean, when you think about going back. And I, said, I was just thinking of that. I don't know. Did King Cuerno ever wrestle Killshot in, in, in uh, Lucha Underground? I want to say no, but I'm not 100% certain. Now, next up, we get this NXT breakout tournament first round. Duke Hudson against Ikiminjiro, if I'm saying that correctly. If not, I apologize. Ikiminjiro? I don't know. Okay, so we get a pre-match video package with Mr. Jiro, and it seems to focus on his good looks, as we're told. And Beth later put him over for the good looks, too. And I don't know. I'll just say this. If I were to have sex with a Japanese male wrestler, Ikiminjiro would not be my first choice. Okay? First of all, I think I would rather go with Hiromu Takahashi, because he's far sexier. Do you not see, especially when he has the cats with him? I mean, how do you, Hiromu is the guy, right? And then I'll ask you this Who wouldn't want to bang Kota Ibushi? I mean, clearly Omega does, but there's, I'm sure, a lot of women who do too. I mean, just come on. And even Naito, even Naito has a more desirable look in a rugged way, right? I mean, th- those are some of the Japanese wrestlers I think of when I think of sexy. Just saying. Okay. And, oh, I forgot one. I'm sorry. And and Sonata. How about Sonata? What a handsome guy, right? Who would? How do you not get turned on by Sonata? So, yeah, Mr. Jiro, not so much. Now, Hudson was impressive here. He was. I mean, he has he has impressive size also. That's what she said. I couldn't, res- I couldn't resist. Sorry. Um, it's too early to tell. If either guy has anything, I mean, they did show some promise, but, you know, you have to see more long-term. And Hudson eventually advanced, and that's that. We got a tag match that nobody cared about, which had an odd ending, which had NXT lifer Aaliyah turning on Robert Stone. She kicked the holy hell out of him. And then Frankie Monet appeared. So I don't know where that's going. Seemed a bit odd, but hopefully something interesting. O'Reilly has this interview, this one-on-one, in which you could have fallen asleep to. I mean, he just talks about how people lose, and it's part of life. It's a learning experience. I'm like, oh my goodness, boring. Now, Cole comes in the ring, and he basically dumps on O'Reilly. He said him beating him the first time was a fluke, and that he owns him, and blah, blah, blah. And that was good stuff. And then he calls out Joe for choking him out from behind, called him a coward. And then out comes Bronson Reed, and the crowd went, oh, okay. <laughs> you could hear nobody really cared. It was just like, oh, it's Bronson Reed. Whatever happened to him getting called up? I thought that was on the horizon. I mean, you'd think he lost the uh, North American title. He'd go right up. Why is he still there? I don't understand that. But like I said, I knew he was a transitional champion. No, LA Knight and Cameron Grimes. The Butler vignettes. And this was better than I thought it would be. It was, it kind of favored Grimes more. He didn't look like an idiot. He made LA Knight look like the idiot. Like they, he wanted him to get a haircut and look more professional. And Grimes got the haircut and he, and he looked better than he thought he would look. And he was proud of himself and how he looked. And, and LA Knight hated it. And then later on, LA Knight fell into the pool after Grimes. It was, there was a lot of good, funny stuff here that wasn't stupid, stupid. You could disagree and say it was stupid that's fine i didn't find it insulting but it was it was good comedy how's that my opinion 
Main event. Karrion Cross and Johnny Gargano for the NXT title with Samoa Joe, your referee. And remember how I talked about this last week. I said, could Gargano win? Could he win if Joe is provoked? Because remember, Joe cannot touch anyone unless provoked. And, of course, the ongoing question, when is Cross getting called up? So this is the possibility here, different thoughts, and how this match can go. Now, I respect Gargano, love his work, can't deny it. So good in that ring. With that said, when you look at the two of them in size, I'm sorry to say this, but Cross oversold in this match. You can't sell that much as a big guy, which is why it doesn't work. And I understand the David versus Goliath. We've seen it forever. I talked about Rey Mysterio beating the big guys in the 90s into the 2000s, but the casual fan looks at that and laughs. He's 6'4", 250. He's 5'7", 190. 5'8", 190. I don't know how tall Gargano is, but it's just like, no. So Cross sold as much as you could sell. I mean, the match was decent. I'm not going to say it wasn't. And then eventually Cross took over, hit a couple of his uh, Saito suplexes, and then the forearm to the back of the head, and he won, and he retained. And I went, okay, interesting. Post-match, he has a face-off with Joe, and then Joe turns his back on him and gets choked out. So Cross chokes out Joe, and I went, hmm, what do they do here? Do they hot-shot this match? So clearly, I think Joe is cleared medically. I want to believe Joe is cleared for them to do this. I can't imagine Joe not wanting immediate revenge. So yeah, I, I see that happening. And of course, we talk about Cross being main roster bound. If they turn, the, if they change the titles, now that, that's that's something to, to look forward to here. How they how they build this. And real quick before we take a break, some NXT UK news. Walter who's been champion, I want to say, over a year, if not a year and a half, maybe two years. I don't even know how long it's been. Uh, He uh, reportedly suffered a severe hand injury, which will prevent the uh, long-awaited rematch with Ilya Dragunov. So that's going to be postponed. And however, good news, I'm going to believe this anyway. Unlike the UFC, I don't think they'll do a ridiculous interim title match. So that's that. Coming up after the break, we have AEW Dynamite. A little bit of Ring of Honor best in the world because they're back. They did a pay-per-view last week. And a little bit more after that too. So Mourn's Love Podcast coming back after this. Tune in every Monday night at 10 p.m. for the Absolute Truth Show on Blog Talk Radio. Join the Hot Rod, Sean Black, and Lady T as they give you the truth on current events, politics, and everything in between. That's Monday nights at 10 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com slash the absolute truth 100, where they tell it like it is. Morn's Oil Podcast back, and uh, let's get right into AEW Dynamite. Show kicks off with the IWGP United States title. And listen, like I talked about SmackDown, same same state, Texas. This crowd was on fire. They were so hot. I mean, it was practically sold out. Also, I didn't get the attendance, so I don't know what a sellout is in that building. But it was much louder than Miami previous week. Obviously, double if not triple the fans, that helps. And uh, look, Moxley and Carl Anderson had a really good match. It was good stuff. I mean... 
it was a good solid contest, nothing ridiculous, and you know, Moxley ended up winning. So it is what it is. It was it was good. And uh, up next we had Cage against Ricky Starks for the almost forgotten FTW title. Now Starks was super over. I believe he's from Texas, so he was super over despite being a heel. And you would think Cage were the heel if you listen to the crowd. Now. To no surprise, they turned on Cage and Starks won the title. The thing is, Cage right now has no steam. It's like the fans don't even know he's there or care. I just don't know what the future is for, for Brian Cage. Uh, I mean, you can say the same thing about a lot of guys in this company, especially when you have like 150 men on the roster. It's kind of challenging and I'm sure very difficult to remember everyone as you're in the booking meeting and writing up the format of the show. And you're like, oh, what about that guy? Yeah, <laughs> you have too many people in your roster. <laughs> That's the problem. So there is a chance that Mr. Brian Cage may fade away and classify himself as obsolete. Obsolete. <laughs> All right, so Cody goes to the stage. He grabs the mic. He's now livid. He's absolutely livid. He's beside himself. The week after he takes the black mask, right? So he takes Malachi's black finisher, and now he's livid. And look, nothing makes sense. Nothing. It's just like, why did he not react like this after Black dis disposes of his coach and manager? Arn Anderson, where's the fire? It, nothing, this is so stupid. And it's like, so he needed to get kicked in the head to be upset with this guy? <laughs> he had to get kicked in the head, right? That's what you're telling me. Okay. <laughs> and why did he think he wouldn't kick him in the head? What, the, what is going on? Who's writing this stuff? And what about poor Arn? <laughs> poor Arn, where's the revenge for Arn? You're just getting revenge for yourself now. Okay. And that exchange before the security and everybody else came in to break it up between Black and Cody, that was very weak. Some really bad punches in there. We get Hangman in the ring with Tony Schiavone. I'll say this. Paige isn't bad on the mic, but he appeared very nervous here. Even stumbled over a word or two. I think he's lacking conviction in his delivery. Look, he's obviously super over with the audience. No one can deny that. I'm not going to tell you anything otherwise. I just think he needs that one badass promo that elevates him to that next level where you're like, wow, Hangman. Because it always helps. Like we talk about Austin and the 316 promo. Now, of course, he has his cowboy shit. But sometimes I feel like he needs another catchphrase. Something similar something really cool that grasps the fans and they could go all right let's let's you know you see it in the crowd the signs besides the cowboy shit just a thought so out come the elite of course the jacksons have to do their comedy shtick as they always do the good brothers everyone there omega omega actually got in the ring and had a decent promo with Paige, a little face to face not bad and then, uh, oh, for, I forgot about the other part where the, the uh, Paige cleaned house and there was a bit of a brawl and then the Dark Order came in to save him. And, you know, then we got the face off and then they basically said that there'll be a stipulation for a tag match. And we'll see what happens with that. So I think it's like if, if Paige and the Dark Order win, then they get to, then Paige gets his title shot. 
And then also, I believe the Dark Order can get a tag title shot if they win. But then if Omega's team wins, Paige doesn't get his title shot. Something like that. It was a bit convoluted, but I'm sure you guys perhaps understood more than I did. I believe that will be on Wednesday night too, Fighter Fest Part 2. Up next, we get Christian and Hardy turning back the time. Now, I spoke recently about losing interest in spot matches. I discussed being younger and those type of matches being new. They were innovative. People were like, hey, that, that's cool for the time because we haven't seen a lot of this stuff before. In the early 2000s, mid-2000s, a lot of people coming up with new moves that we have never seen before. And I liked it. It was over. But over time, everything can become stale. Everything. Talk about hardcore matches, spot fests, you name it. Can become stale. And as, and as I'm watching Christian Cage, I thought this. I had this thought. Because when he was in TNA, when he first came, when he first left WWE, I thought he was generic. I would watch his matches and I'd go, okay, I know he's good here, but his matches had that watered-down WWE style that was just, alright. I mean, I don't want to say boring, but, uh, you know, towing that line of boredom when you had everyone in TNA, not everyone, but half the roster doing all these crazy new spots that we have never seen before. Now, when you fast forward over a decade, now Christian is doing almost the same match with a little new stuff here and there. I want to say this, Christian Cage, I owe you an apology, sir. I owe you an apology because what I thought of you back then, I just didn't get it. I didn't understand what I understand now. And I see wrestling in a different light and you've always been doing it the right way. Christian Cage is in the ring doing the work the way it should be done. And he's so good, he might be underrated. His ring, the way he, I mean, everything puts together the match, sells, makes people look good, everything, his timing, you name it, he's that good. And listen to the crowd. Listen to the crowd in this match. Go back and watch it. Listen to the pop for the false finishes. Christian could have won this match a few times and it would have been a great pop. Because the crowd was into every false finish. It was so good. They, they, I kid you not, they had, in this match, I don't know why, I mean, I guess the respect for both veterans, they had the crowd in the palm of their hands. It was, it was that, they were, everyone in this, in that arena, in that building, they cared. That was the key. Hardy and Christian made the fans care. And that's what's missing from wrestling today. It's missing. Think about this. In that match, now I could be wrong, but I didn't hear any stupid chants. All I heard was organic fan reaction. And I want to do this again. I did it before for SmackDown. I'll do it again for that AEW crowd. Because that was impressive to hear real crowd reaction instead of this is awesome and uh christian ended up winning with his finisher which bothered me a little bit again i'm nitpicking he had so many previous opportunities to win when the crowd was hot i think the the finish kind of came out of nowhere so they weren't as hot for the finish plus again we talk about this and how you let the crowd know what's coming and when you do the finisher, all right, now we know you're going to win. So the, the reaction is less of a pop, I think. 
but that's just a nitpick. Up next, we get another top-notch, great promo by Dr. Britt Baker. She's so good. She's so good. And you know what stood out for me in this in this interview segment? Is that I've joked about this in the past. Other people have too. Tony Schiavone usually holds the mic for about 30, maybe 60 seconds before the wrestler takes it out of his hand and he has no value anymore in this interview. This is the first time in which the wrestler never took the mic out of his hands. He got to conduct the full interview and she was perfect. Perfect. She's so over. I mean, when you heard that crowd do the DMD at the end, you're just like, whoa, that's over. And uh, I have a question. Didn't they say that AEW would never do intergender matches? But then isn't any match involving Nyla Rose one? (laughs) Oh, I'm going to take some heat for that. Oh, well. (laughs) So we're backstage and Moxley, who another king of the promos. I mean, there's so many talented promo here with with Moxley and Britt Baker. And I mean, they're they're just loaded with promo guys and women. So Moxley accepts the challenge from Lance Archer. We're going to have a Texas death match next week. Fighter Fest 2. I'll say this. If Archer doesn't win this match, which I don't think he will, he's got to go back to Japan or go to Impact or just get out of here. And same thing with Cage, too. I mean, Brian Cage. He just has no purpose in this company, again, unless he wins. Now, I was thinking of a guy that could interfere in this match to cost Moxley the title to start a new feud and at least give Archer something. You know what I mean? Give Archer something. Make him feel important. Make the fans think he's important other than just having him lose every match. And I was thinking, who could screw Moxley? And I went, well, Ethan Page could, but we saw how the end of that show ended, so I don't know if you want to take a guy off a loss and have him attack Moxley. I don't know if he's angry right now. Maybe, but we'll see what they do with Ethan Page. I thought Miro, who, by the way, showed a new uh, version of his TNT title, that would be a good program. Miro and Moxley for that title, but... I don't want Miro to attack Moxley or interfere. I mean, I guess he could be ringside without attacking him until the match is over to start that feud. I never like champions attacking people. I want the champion to be chased or challenged. Champions should never come out and be blindsiding people. But then I thought also maybe Starks. Starks coming off this win, FTW champion. Him and Moxley would be a great program, I think. Although now that Starks is in Texas, I don't know if it's a good idea to turn him at this moment. Well, to have that match at this moment because the crowd is pretty hot for him. And then I thought about Hobbs too. Hobbs and Moxley would be a good program. Something just to build up Hobbs even though he's going to still lose. Just to get him that ring time. Just a thought. And the main event. I already mentioned Ethan Page. But we get this coffin match against Darby Allin. And look, when you're going to do this coffin match as a main event and you're featuring one of your top baby faces, you know he's winning. This is that simple. Ethan Page had no chance to win this match. And you know that as a wrestling fan, if you've been watching. And this was really good. It was short, but it was good. It was a good brawl, good fight. So many different aspects of this match. Ethan Page is a lot better than I thought or gave him credit for. I didn't watch a lot of his impact stuff, but he's... A bigger guy he has a good promo he he carries himself like a wrestler he looks good now 
I'll say this. I think Darby Allen appears to like the thought of being in a wheelchair. He clearly has no regard for his body. I mean, he wins the match, right? He puts him in the coffin, wins the match. I know you did a crazy spot to do that. But then, when the match is over, he gets to the top rope and does a co- his coffin drop onto the coffin with Ethan Page in the coffin. And I just went, oh my god. <laughs> I just, I mean... I have no idea how Darby Allen will be walking at the age of 40. I just don't see it. I don't know how he's going to walk. The ratings are in and over a million. That's impressive. Congratulations, over a million. It's been a while. Uh, But here's the problem. People on the internet love to ask this question. Well, now that they went over a million, can they sustain it? Can they do it again? The answer so far has been no. They get that one big number and then it drops. Now, I don't want them to drop. I hope it doesn't drop. I hope it stays over a million. They are at that point right now with this company. Post-pandemic, well, I shouldn't say post-pandemic. We're still in this pandemic. People are dying every day. But fans are back. I want to believe... People are going to keep watching, and as long as they give you good angles, good storyline, good matches, you name it, perhaps they can stay at a million. Do I think they will? No. I think there's going to be a bit of a dip. I don't want to say next week, but I don't believe they've done a million back-to-back shows. Oh, wait. No, the first two weeks. I stand corrected. I think they did a million the first two weeks of their their history, and then they dropped. Uh, We'll see. Now, I got news. Before I, did, I started this, I did some research, and Uncle Dave announced that AEW Dynamite, which will take place at Arthur Ashe Stadium, September 22nd, tickets went on st- sale recently. By the way, Queens, New York, for those who aren't familiar with the New York City area, it's almost sold out. So, reportedly, they put 17,000 tickets available, and they've already sold over 15,000 on day one. That's a hell of a number. That's impressive. Now, the stadium for tennis can hold 24,000. So, I'm inclined to believe with the, with the stage, with the ramp, with the, with the announce table, they probably could do 20. But let's see how many more tickets they make available because they should easily do 17. So, maybe, maybe they just wanted to do 17 based on what the rest of the uh, stadium will look like. So that may make sense there. Moving along, I talked about Ring of Honor and they're back. They had their show, Best in the World, last weekend. And I'll say this, it was very disappointing. It was almost sad when you looked in the crowd and you saw so many empty seats. I felt bad, it was, it was, it was, I mean, look, they, they spun it. Uh, Rick Abani and, and Caprice Coleman talked about how they had limited seating based on the pandemic and based on they did this pod style seating like AEW had done early on when they started bringing people back. But it's hard to believe that there needed to be that much space between bodies. And yeah, I, I didn't get the number on the attendance, but I believe that building was set up for. I mean, I know capacity, I believe, was like 5,000. So if they set it up the way they claim to have set it up, maybe 2,500. And I want to say they did half of that. So we're talking a little over 1,000, which is not good. Especially when you're coming back for the first time in front of fans. But 
Now, for those who watched Best in the World, let's talk about this, okay? The main event. Roosh against Bandito for the world title. Now, I had high hopes for this match because there's expectations involving these two really good wrestlers. I mean, they're, we know what they're capable of. However, you know, there's always a, usually a but, but there's a however. I was very disappointed overall, and I couldn't move past one egregious part of this match that plagues wrestling today. The match starts, and Roosh attacks Bandito. And he could have won it right away. I mean, he hit a couple of his finishers, but he opted not to cover. However, I'll use butt this time. How's that? Great heel work. I mean, Roosh is really good as a heel. Phenomenal work here. Can't deny that. He takes Bandito outside, works him over multiple ways. Bandito's just obliterated, right? Obliterated. Match goes back in the ring, albeit briefly. They go back outside again. Now Roosh slams a chair. A chair on Bandito's leg, in which he's already worked over his whole body, right? This went on for approximately six minutes. Bandito is getting the crap beaten out of him, right? Including the chair shot, don't forget. Roosh then picks him up and throws him back into the ring. Roosh turns around to pose to the crowd. And I kid you not, the following happens. Within seconds of Roosh turning around, there's Bandito flying over the top rope and takes him out with a dive. I wanted to turn it off right there. But I waited. I was like, let's see how this plays out. It only got worse. You know where I'm going with this, right? While being worked over for those six minutes, six minutes, Bandito did do his fair share of selling. I'm not going to deny that. He he sold well for a while. So I'm like, okay, so far so good. But then he gets tossed back in the ring and is able to do it. He does a dive off that bad leg. And it just becomes ridiculous. When you get beaten like that for so long, I was just like, what what are they doing? What are they doing? I mean, there's no selling. And I'll grant you this. Listen, a lot of people out there, a lot of the, the, the defenders of this business today, the defenders, I call them marks, they, they, have, they, have, they have zero knowledge of psychology. People think they have degrees because you got to hear how these people talk about psychology. And, and, and listen, I'll grant you the first part, okay? I'll grant you the beating. But when you take a chair to the knee... That's ridiculous. Okay, you want to say, oh, there's, there's, they say, oh, the adrenaline rush. There's an adrenaline rush. And again, fair, fair for the first part. But then it gets, ready? Here's where it gets worse. Immediately after that one dive, I shit you not, Bandito goes back into the ring. Now, not even like, well, maybe he jiggled the knee a little bit. But then he does another dive. This time, a, a somersault flipping dive. I forget what the name is called. Pardon me. He does another dive. And... I just went, oh my god. And he never sold the knee again for the rest of the match. Mind you, six minutes of a beating, and he just forgot about the knee. Look, it it just looks fake. You've heard me say this ad nauseum. It looks fake if you forget to sell it. And it's not just about the selling in the moment. It's about the selling five minutes after. Five minutes after. When Bandito... Okay, here's what should have happened, right? 
Bandito should have went back. Okay, he could have hit the first dive, right? Then he went back into the ring to go off the ropes before he hits the second dive, and he should have stumbled. He should have stumbled, and Roosh could have hit him with a forearm. He could have hit him with a drop kick. He could have done anything to regain momentum in that moment. So Roosh, excuse me, Bandito properly sells the knee that had been worked on. Instead, it was just a forgotten element in the match, and that's bad. That's really bad. And look, if you're selling the leg, it makes people care. You get invested into the match because then you have the comeback. There's the comeback. We don't get a comeback. We get a guy not selling. Now, this match was only 16 minutes, and half of it, by the way, was on the outside. Look, if, if you're only if you can do a 16-minute match and half of it's on the outside, what are you doing? We need more of that match in the ring. These two guys can go in the ring. The lead to the finish was actually well done. I won't deny that. Bandito went for his 21-plex. He hit it, and Roosh kicked out. And they said no one has ever kicked out of the 21-plex. Okay, cool. Then Roosh takes advantage, and he goes after the mask. And now he's trying to pull his mask off. And, of course, Mexican wrestlers, thats they can't have their mask taken off. So now he's protecting against his mask. The ref gets in the way, tries to stop him. Uh... Bandito then grabs Roosh, rolls him up, and gets the pin. Shocks the world. Bandito's the new ROH World Heavyweight Champion. And aside from the no selling, uh, again, I can't get past that. This is why I can't say this was a good match, because that bothers me so much. And for the show itself, I'm not going to break down the whole show. I just want to talk about that. But there's kind of like New Japan-style booking here. They had so many titles change hands. I mean, the last three titles, the TV, the tag, and the world title, I think only, was it, Gresham kept his pure title in a match over Matt Taven, which I still need to see. And uh, the six-man tag kept their title. By the way, Shane Taylor Promotions, they're so over. I mean, there was almost no reaction for a lot of these matches. I, I shouldn't say no, no reaction. I should say minimal reaction. But Shane Taylor and his group comes out, and the crowd's chanting, they're popping, everything. Wow, they may be going somewhere. That was good stuff. But yeah, I mean, just overall... By the way, I, I know I, I tweeted something. Because you guys know I love to... I, I, I'm not going to call myself a troll. You can if you want to. But... Uh, excuse me, I said Matt Taven before. I meant Mike Bennett. Excuse me. Uh, Jonathan Gresham beat Mike Bennett. Mike Bennett had cut a promo <laughs> stating that his match with Jonathan Gresham, he wanted to win because he wanted to be put in the same category with the likes of AJ Styles, CM Punk, Samoa Joe, Nigel McGuinness, and, uh, and Gresham and others that, I, that escapes me at this moment. And... No one can take that with a straight face, right? <laughs> no disrespect to you, Mike Bennett, but come on, no one's going to... So I post that on Twitter, and I put the, the great scene in Goodfellas where Ray Liotta is laughing hysterically with everyone behind him, and I put that on Twitter. I'm sure they all hate me now, but come on. Let's be realistic here. And, uh, oh, one other good spot in this match before we go, because it's almost time to go here, and in, in this car, excuse me. So we had uh, Woods against Young, Josh Woods against Silas Young, and it was a, what was it, a last man standing match. There's a ladder in the ring, okay, ladder in the ring, 
And sometimes you go, why is there a ladder in the ring, right? Why, where did this ladder come from? They take it from out underneath the ring, right? And they bring it into the ring. And Ian and Caprice, I think Ian, but they both helped out. He explained why the ladder was there. He said, simply, the ladder is under the ring because it's used to help set up all the stuff in the around the ring. So that's why the ladder is there. It makes sense. And sometimes you go, well, why is there a ladder under the ring? Now they explained it. So the spot makes sense. I sent the tweet to them and I said, bravo. Bravo for explaining that simple part of the match to the crowd. And then I cited, conversely, if you go back a few weeks to Dynamite, Ethan Page is in a match where he gets zip-tied. And he goes under the ring to get a toolbox. You're like, what the fuck is a toolbox doing under the ring? Now, the announcers there, some who are half asleep... Briefly commented on the toolbox. However, you would like to believe that a Shivani or a Jim Ross could tell us that, oh, the toolbox is under the ring because that is used to set up the fucking ring. But they don't tell us that. Why is there a toolbox under the ring? Tell us. Just like they told us here about the ladder. So there, there you go. And uh, real quick, before we get out of here and give plugs... Uh, the NBA Finals Game 5 is happening right now Which I should have on and I don't But I was dead wrong And I have to eat shit here for this Because I said Suns in 4, Suns in 5 And the Suns looked as bad as you can look In the last 2 minutes of that Game 4 In Milwaukee Where I told everybody Stick my chest out and I tell everybody Yeah, Devin Booker and Chris Paul They're going to make more shots They're going to make better decisions And they sucked in the last 2 minutes Sucked and Devin Booker should have fouled out. Referees missing calls left and right. But yeah, more, listen, kudos to Chris Middleton. Again, I can't speak this enough about how much he stepped up this postseason to win games. Drew Holiday knocked down big shots. Like the, the Suns were down 15. And they cut it to four in that third quarter. Cameron Johnson hit a corner three. Drew Holiday answered back with his own three. If he doesn't make that three to go up seven, I'm curious where that game goes. If the Suns score again, eventually tie the game. Do the Bucks fall apart mentally? But Holiday, big three in that spot, eventually hit a couple more, and the Suns got blown out of the building. But yeah, right now I couldn't tell you. I, I still want to pick the Suns in six or seven because that's who I'm riding here. But the Bucks have shown a lot more than I thought they were capable of. So kudos to them. And yeah, that wraps up another edition of Morton's Law Podcast. Real quick, don't forget to check out Box Seat Suck Podcast. I'm sure they're miserable Yankee fans, just as I am. Yankees losing again to the Red Sox last night. I shouldn't say miserable. It's hard to care about a team that you know is not going to win, like I said last week and the week before. And yeah, so check that out. I don't know when they've done a recent episode, but go check out past episodes if they have not. And don't forget to check out uh, work shoot wrestling podcast with Mr. Richmond and Mr. Brooks. Good stuff as always there. They dive into the world of wrestling similar to what I do. And yeah, I, I believe I'm going to be back tomorrow night. In fact, I'll confirm that whether you're going to hear it tomorrow night or Monday morning, I will be here with the peeps Nate doing a full review of money in the bank, which I anticipate should be a lot of fun, especially the main event with Roman Reigns and Edge. 
And until uh, tomorrow night, thank you guys for checking me out again. Morton's Law Podcast. God bless gay sex.